Hey, this is my last message on my trust series. Thank, thank you for not saying amen. All right. So, 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 when I said that this morning, first service, some people said amen. I said, I took note of that. I, 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 you know, I hate to see this series come to an end because I've enjoyed it so much. And I believe we have learned through this series that the most important thing is to trust God. Last week, I began a two-part sermon on the trust test. And we've kind of been taking this trust test. I believe that, that all of us in our Christian life comes to a place where we've got to ask this very simple question, do I really trust God? I mean, really, do I trust God with every aspect of my life? Do I trust God with my family, with my finance, with my future? Do I trust God with my job, with my health, with my possessions? And I think every one of us comes to that place where we have to cross that line and say, yes, I trust God, or we back away from that line and say, no, I can't trust God in this area of my life. It's at that trust test line that we either cross it and we grow spiritually and say, yes, I'm going to trust God in this, or we back away from that line and we begin to shrivel in our spirits, and instead of getting closer to God, we grow far away from God. And you know what? If you back away at that trust test line, you will never fulfill your purpose in Jesus Christ. You will never reach your potential as a child of God. All because we are unwilling to let God take control of our life. And guys, it comes down to this. Either you have control or you let God have control. But you can't have both, all right? I'm going to begin with Proverbs chapter 3. This was our main passage last Sunday. I want to reread verses 5 through 10 because it, it, it helps us in taking this trust test. Here's what the Word of God says in Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Now, how many of y'all, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of y'all have memorized that verse, man, and it's your go, one of your go-to verses? Trust in the Lord with all, it says it all though, doesn't it? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and, and don't depend on flesh, don't depend on yourself. It's easy to say that, but let me tell you, it's a different thing to do it, right? So trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Acknowledge that God is the source of every good gift that we have, and he will do what? He'll direct your path. He'll show you the right way to go in life. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh, and it will be strength to your bones. You're going to do good when you trust God. Are you with me? Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all of your increase so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow. You're going to have more than enough when you what? Trust in the Lord. And that's what the trust test is all about, simply trusting in the Lord. Now, I'm going to have to review very quickly to bring us up to speed from what we learned yes, last week to where we are today. Last week, we used the word trust as an acrostic for our outline. Spell trust with me. 
T-R-U-S-T. That was our outline. Last week we got halfway through it. This week we're going to review those first ones and then we're going to pick up on the last two letters, the S and the T. The first T, it stands for take an inventory. We started that last week. That inventory is initiated by you. You've got to take the trust test yourself. And Proverbs 3 is our guideline for that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Are you doing that? With every aspect of your life. Don't, don't lean on your own human wisdom. Don't lean on the philosophy and the mindset of this world. You trust in God. And if you trust in God, he is going to direct your path. So take the inventory. Letter R, recognize that God is the source of everything you have. Again, Proverbs chapter 3 tells us that, that everything we have comes from God. He is the source of every good gift that you have. In fact, Deuteronomy 8.18, last week we learned, says that God is the one who gives us strength to get wealth. So everything we have is a gift from God. And we need to recognize that God is the source of all the things that we have. The letter U, understand God's principles. Okay, These are principles that are written in the Word of God, and as a believer, when we understand these principles and live by them, then we're going to live the blessed life that God has for us. Last week, we learned five principles, and if anybody right now can tell me all five, I've got a $100 bill for you. <laughs> Having heard no one say that, all right, we're going to review those, those five principles, and, and then uh, we're going to give you five more today. And then we're going to end up with S and T. S is surrender everything to God, and then T is we need to put God to the test in this area, and we're going to do that this morning. So let's go back and let's review the, the five principles, understand the principles of stewardship that God gives. Again, some of y'all hate it when I review Oh, Ronnie, there are some people who hate it when we review. But I'm going to do it quickly, okay? Because a second ago, you couldn't give me these five things, and you need to write them down, all right? So let's write these five down, then we'll pick up with the new five ones today. The first one we learned last week is the who's in charge principle, okay? Who's in charge? God is. God's the owner. We're managers, okay? And common sense tells us this. What did you bring into this world? Absolutely nothing. You were naked when you came into this world. You didn't have anything. And guess what? You're going to leave the same way. You're not going to take any of it with you. So technically, none of the stuff that you have at your disposal right now is really yours. And the Bible tells us that God is the owner of all things. He is allowing us to manage it for him. And until you come to grips with that, you're going to struggle with every other aspect of your life. Number two, the second principle we learn. It's the give and grow principle. Practice, practicing stewardship produces growth in our life. And I'm telling you, there is no other time in a calendar year where we can grow more in our walk with Jesus and in our relationship with him than during stewardship time. Because it forces us to trust God. It forces us to take that step over the line where we say, yes, God, I trust you with this. If not, if you back away and, and, and live in the wilderness of mediocrity, you're going to shrivel spiritually. So stewardship helps us to grow. Principle number three, it's the do it now principle. Stewardship deals with our present resources. Not what we 
used to have or what we're going to have tomorrow. It deals with what we have right now. In fact, God is saying to me, and he already said this to me this morning, Will Harmon, what are you going to do with the resources that I have laid at your disposal on March the 1st, 2020, which is today? And that's what I'm responsible for, the opportunities, the time. You know what? Every second that ticks away, I don't get back. I need to make good use of the time that I have right now. Also, this opportunity. This is my time to use my talent that God has given to me to share God's word with you. And and don't think for a second that I don't take this seriously. I'm giving you the best I have, which ain't much. But let me tell you, it's the best I have. Why? Because God deserves our best. And I want to make good use of this time. Also, the resources. What am I going to do with the resources that he's given me for today? Number four. Am I going fast enough on these reviews? Okay. Number four, the I'm in debt principle. And I remember last week you said, oh, I got this one, preacher, because I really am in debt. No, it's not what I'm talking about. The moment we're born, we're in debt. You're in debt to God. You're in debt to God for the very breath you're taking right now. Not only are we in debt to God, we are in debt to the previous generation. And that is something to consider and think about. Leads us to principle number five that we talked about. It's the fountain of youth principle. We live forever through what we give. Okay, You can't take any of it with you, but you know what? You can send it on before. And if you use your time, your talent, and your treasure, giving your tithe right now, you are storing up good treasure in heaven where rust can't corrupt and thieves can't break in and steal. Amen. Five great principles. This is where we pick up the new five principles for today. Are you ready, kids? All right. Principle number six, the who's number one principle. And let me tell you, God deserves the first of everything that we have in our life. God not only deserves the first, God deserves the best. Amen. There's a tendency, instead of giving him our best or our first, for us to give God our leftovers, okay? I want you to hear the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 22. Somebody came up to Jesus and said, Teacher, what is the most important commandment in all of the law? What is number one? What's the most important commandment? And here's what Jesus said. Love the Lord your God with all of your mind, soul, and strength. That's Matthew's version. The other Gospels add the heart in there. You love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He said this is the first and the most important commandment of them all. So take that in. God said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That means that I'm giving him not only the best I have, I'm giving him all that I have. I'm putting him first place in my life. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, we just read this as our passage earlier. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the what? First fruit of all of your increase. Not what is left over, but the first of your increase. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, this great passage on giving, Paul said on the first day of the week, which is Sunday for us, the first day of the week, let each one of you, 
lay something aside, storing up as he or she may prosper. So he's telling us that during the week, you take the first of what God has provided, and then on Sunday, you bring it into God's house, and you present that gift as an offering to the Lord, a gift from you to God. You give God the first fruit. You give God the best that you have. So God tells us we are to give him the first. The what? The first, not the last of everything. Now, our tendency as human beings is to give God what is left over, okay? That's just human. Our human tendency is to take our possessions, and the very first thing we do with our possessions is meet our needs and the needs of our family. And then we'll say, God, if there's anything left over, sure, you can have it. No, the the real question this morning is, Where do I put God in my life? And only you can answer that. Where do you put God? First, second, third, 24th, 92nd. Let me just couch up personally to you right now. Let's just say it's just me and you at your your kitchen table and we're having coffee and a donut. Boy, that does sound good right now, doesn't it? I'd take a good old chocolate donut right now. Anyway, let me, get, let me break that think, thinking, right? And I ask you, right now, where is God in your life? Right now, where is God in your life? Now, maybe because you're talking to the preacher, you say, Brother Will, he's number one. <laughs> oh, brother, you know he's number one, Brother Will. You know, and I don't know, maybe I say, okay, you're telling me that. But God is saying to you, Really? God is saying, hey, why don't you pull out your checkbook and your calendar? And let's just check up on that. Because let me tell you, when you pull out your checkbook and your calendar, you really examine it, you discover very quickly what's important to you. Your checkbook and your calendar tells us what is priority in our life, what is passion in our life. So is God really number one? With you. Only you can answer that, but it's the principle. Who's number one in my life? Number seven, principle number seven. I love this one. Man, a couple of these are just so great, and this is one of my favorite. It is the cheerful attitude principle. Stewardship begins with loving, not with giving. Can I remind you what the Apostle Paul said? God loves a what? Cheerful giver. Now, God, I'll tell you, I've been quoting that verse for years, and I can't say that verse without smiling. I mean, there's just something about it because I know, I know my, my God is a giving God, and my God loves it when I give, and I need to be cheerful when I give. Here's what I found out, that we can give without loving. You can. You can give without loving, but you cannot love and not give. Let that sink in. Love has to be the foundation. If if love is not the foundation of my relationship with God, I'm always going to have a problem when it comes to giving because I'm going to give grudgingly or I'll give out of necessity and and, and it's not coming from a a pure heart, a pure motive. Love asks, how much can I give? How much can I give? Legalism asks, how little can I give? And there is a world of difference between the two. You see, the basis of my stewardship and management of all the resources God has given to me has got to be based on the fact that I love God 
with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Isn't that the way it ought to be? How, how many of you really love a person in your life? You've got one person that you love more than anybody else. Can, okay, that, that person for me sitting right here. Sorry, Mom and Dad, I love y'all too. Sorry, kids, if you're watching on video, I love you too. But I love her most. She's my pride and joy. I love my wife. I love her so much, I, I literally say this to uh, David, I say this to her all the time. I'll say, baby, I love you so much, anything you want, you can have. Within reason. You know, you kind of got you to pause a long time before you say that within reason. But, you know, she, she knows that. She knows that anything I have is hers. Anything that she asks of me, I'm willing to do it. Why? Because I love her so much. I'm holding nothing back from her. I love her. How much more so in my relationship with God? I love God so much, he's got every bit of me, every square inch of me. I'm holding nothing back from God. Everything I have is his. I love him, therefore, I give. And I give cheerfully because my motive is love. Are you with me? That brings me to number eight. This is absolutely out of the ten. Number eight is my favorite of all the principles. It's called the what? Big shovel principle. And it's based on this premise. You cannot outgive God. Why? God's shovel is bigger than your shovel. I want you to look with me at Luke chapter 6 and notice what Jesus said. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. But by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Now this is an awesome principle from the lips of Jesus. Jesus said, you get to measure the standard of what you're going to get back from God. Because God is going to give back to you when you give to him. And if you give to others, God is going to give back to you. But you know what? You get to measure the standard of what you receive back. And so when I give in delight, when I give out of a cheerful heart, I'm going to get something back from God. It may not be the same thing, but it's going to be something better. It's called the big shovel principle. God is saying this. You do your part, which is to give. Give of your time, your talents, your, your treasure. You give where I tell you to give. You give to who I tell you to give to. And when you do your part, I'm going to do my part. And I'm going to bless you in return. I'm going to give back to you in return. And look at me, church. God's shovel is bigger than your shovel. Man, sometimes I wish we were in a Pentecostal church, you know, because I tell you what, they'd be jumping pews right now. That is so awesome. A very generous giver was asked the question, how is it that you have given so much and yet God has blessed you in return so much financially in every other area? Here was his reply. It's very simple. I shovel in and God shovels back. But God's shovel is bigger than my shovel. And that's just the way it is. Don't you love that principle? And it's true. It's true. 
I, I, I didn't do this first service. I didn't think of it. It just kind of hit me right now. We, we've lost some precious people in our church, but two of the greatest people we had was Donna and Alice Yarbrough. I mean, they, they, were, they were just, oh, such, such a joy to be around. They loved the Lord so much. And, and I've, I've probably shared this with you before, but I can remember being in their home talking to them. And, and they brought the subject of, of giving to God up to me. And they said, you know, Brother Will, we just, we just love to give. And here's what we've learned. We've learned that no matter what we give, God's going to return the blessing twofold back to us. And so our giving is not based on, on what our income is. We don't just give 10%. We, we project ahead and we say, how do we want God to bless us this year? And, and then in turn, that's what we give to the Lord. And, and he's, they said, it, it is amazing. God, God always blesses us in a greater way than we are blessings to others. And, and guys, let me tell you, it is true. It's the big shovel principle. And I dare you. To put God to the test in that, because I'm, God's shovel is bigger than your shovel. Eh? Well, I'm sounding kind of Pentecostal now, aren't I? <laughs> number nine, principle number nine. This is a good one. It's called the river principle. Our life is to be like a river, not a reservoir. In other words, I am to be a conduit. I am to take my life and not hold back what God has given to me, but I am to pass that on to other people. I am to give to others as God directs. Therefore, I become a river. It, it flows into my life, and then it flows out of my life. Now, there is one inlet of power that you have coming into your life, and that power inlet is the Holy Spirit. So when you receive Jesus as your Savior... Let's say that you're not saved today, and, and you get under conviction, and, and you come down to the altar, and, and I pray with you down here, and, and, uh, and I say, what can I pray with you about? And you say, well, I've, I've never given my life to Jesus, but I'm, I'm really, I think that I need to do that today. And so I'll lead you in a prayer. It's as simple as ABC. A, admit that you're a sinner. We all are. B, believe that Jesus can save you. He's the only one who can. And C, you confess him as Lord and Savior of your life. The moment you pray that prayer and invite Jesus into your heart, God gives you his Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God abides in you. He dwells in you. He is the inlet source of God's power into your life. He is the one who pours all of God's blessing, all of God's provision, all of God's direction, even God's discipline in our life. Comes in through the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what a lot of us do. We allow that inlet power to come in, that blessing to come in. But we want to be like a reservoir. We just want to hold it in. But you can't hold that in. I tell you all the time, if all you do is come here and sit and soak, sooner or later you're going to sour. Or if you look at a body of water, if it doesn't have an outlet source, it's just going to become bad water, tainted water, stale water. That source has got to flow out. Are you with me? And so there are five outlets that God uses in your life to take the blessing of the Holy Spirit and to bless other people, all right? These five areas. Number one is through our life. That is what we are. Number two, it's through our lips, what we say. Number three, through our ministry, what we do. Number four, through our money, what we give. And number five, through our prayer, what we claim in Jesus' name. The power comes in, but you know what? It needs to flow out to others as well. Yeah. 
You are to be a river, not a reservoir. We make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. That leads me to the final principle, number 10, the who has whom principle. And I want to say this, look at, look at the words up there. Until God is in control of my life, my life is out of control. That's right. it, and it really is. It's out of control. James Lawless said, stewardship is more than the management of things. It is the refusal of allowing things to manage us. So who has control of your life right now? Brother, let me tell you, it needs to be God. It needs to be God. And so there are the 10 principles. Let me go back to the, the letters, T-R-U-S-T. We finished the understand God's principles. Let's go to that next letter, which is S, and it picks up with the last principle. S stands for surrender everything to God. That's what we need to do today. We need to surrender everything to God. How many of you have ever heard somebody say, if I only had more, I would give more? I'm not going to ask you if you've said that. I just, have you ever heard anybody say that? If I only had more, I would give more. Mm. Jesus had a little something to say about that. I'm reading out of Luke chapter 16, verse 10. Here's what Jesus said. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. So what did Jesus mean? Well, if you are not giving sacrificially with what you have right now, you will never give sacrificially when you have more. Why? Well, there is a spiritual principle at work here in our lives. And it is a principle that has proven itself time and again. And here it is. It's not how much we have of the world that dictates our generosity. Your generosity is not based on how much money you have in your bank account or how many possessions that you own. No. Your giving is dictated by how much God has of you. Not how much possessions you have of this world but how much God has of you. That's why when Jesus was hanging out in the temple one day, just kind of scoping it out, watching people. I don't know, y'all ever go to the mall? I very seldom go to the mall anymore, but usually when I do, one of my favorite pastimes is just, just watching people. People are interesting, aren't they? Anyway, that's beside the point. Other than the fact Jesus was watching people, and he saw all the people come by the treasury chest and drop in their offerings, their tithe to the Lord. And he noticed all the people given for show. Clinking their coins in. Jesus didn't brag about any of those people that gave a lot. He bragged on one little poor old lady who gave just a mite, half a cent. You know why? Because she gave everything she had. It's not based on how much you have. It's based on how much God has of you. And God had all of that little old lady because she gave all she had to him. The issue this morning, folks, is, is not your talent. It's not your time. It's not your abilities. It's not even your money. It, it, it's very simple. Here, here's the issue 
Who do you trust? That's the issue. Do you really trust God? Jeremiah describes in Jeremiah chapter 17 two different people. He, He describes the person who is trusting in flesh and he counters that with the person who trusts in God. Let's read about it. Here's the person who trusts in the flesh. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. This is the man or the woman who's trusting either in themselves or other people to bring happiness into their life, to sustain them. This is the person who is trusting the world system for the substance of their life. He says, this person is going to be like a bush in the wasteland. He will not see prosperity when it comes, and he will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. Do you want to be that person? I mean, what, what a terrible condition. Not only are the circumstances bad, not only is there heat and a parched land and famine going on, but this person is going to be described as, you know what, here's, here's my interpretation, they're a tumbleweed. He called them a bush in the wasteland. That's a good West Texas terminology for a tumbleweed. Y'all ever seen a tumbleweed? They have no root system. They're, they're just brown. They're dead. They're not bearing fruit. How many, really, how many of you have seen a tumbleweed? Well, if you haven't, let me take you to Midland, Texas, and I'll show you what tumbleweed. There, you don't want to be a tumbleweed. But yet, that is the person who doesn't trust in God. He compares that in verses 7 and 8 to the person who trusts in the Lord. Blessed, instead of cursed, blessed is the man or woman who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in God. This person will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Now understand, the circumstances are the same. It's a barren land. The heat is turned up to 115 degrees. Everything else is dying. And the comparison is this. Circumstances are the same. But here's the comparison. You're either a tumbleweed or you're a green tree that is bearing fruit. You're either something that has no substance, no roots to itself, and you're dead. Or you're something that has life coming from the root system, bearing fruit in your own life. You tell me, would you rather be a tumbleweed? Or a fruit-bearing tree? Come on. Who wants to be the tree? The difference is, what do you do with God? Are you trusting God? Or are you trusting yourself? You need to surrender everything to the Lord. Surrender everything to Him. Lord, Lord, today I come and, and do what Paul says to do in Romans chapter 12. I present my body a living sacrifice. Now, y'all are going to think I'm crazy, but sometimes when nobody else is around, I'll come in here and I'm going I'm to do it. I'll come in here and I'll just do, I'll do this right here. I'll just lay on the altar. Now, you think, dude, you're crazy. Yeah, I am crazy. But you know what? To me, it's symbolic. I am presenting my life as a living sacrifice to God, holding nothing back, and I'm giving him everything. Can I ask you, have you ever done that? 
Have you ever surrendered everything to him? If, if you've not done that, let me tell you, you're always going to struggle in life. Why? Because God brings you right up here to this test trust line. And he says, will you trust me in this? Will you trust me with your kids? Will you trust me with your job? Will you trust me with your health? Will you trust me with your possessions? And we're either going to say, yes, Lord, I trust you, and step across that line, or we're going to back away from it and say, nope, can't trust you with that. And until you surrender everything and step across the line, your life, literally, it's going to be miserable. And it, out of control. Love that. So that brings me to the T as we finish the word trust. You know what that means? We're just about done. Man, y'all are so good. Either you're asleep or you're afraid to say amen to that. The last letter is T. What, is, what does T stand for? Test God's promises. This is amazing. This is amazing. I'm going to say this two or three times in this point, but this is the only thing that God says, test me in. So let's talk about that right now. Putting God's promises to the test. I love what Mother Teresa said. She said, I know God will not give me anything I can't handle. I just wish he didn't trust me so much. <laughs> bless her. Bless her. Does God trust you? So we're going to end this series and this message today with that great passage on tithing from Malachi chapter 3. Putting God to the test. Malachi 3. I want to share with you three verses, 10, 11, and 12. And the three principles that go with these verses. The first principle is God will provide for us. God will provide for us. Look at verse 10, Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe, whole 10%, into the storehouse. What's the storehouse? It's God's house. So that there would be food in my house. Test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing until it overflows. God said, bring the tithe into the storehouse and you can even test me in this and, and see if my promise is not sure, if it's not real. Watch what I do. You bring the tithe and I'm going to bless you. And so you're sitting there right now saying, Pastor, are you telling me that God will take care of me in every area of my life, including my finances, if I put God first? No. No, I'm not telling you that. God's telling you that. <laughs> Man, isn't that great? Th this is not Will Harmon's trust test. This is not Kavanaugh Church's Trust test. This is God's trust test. God said, if you will put me first, not second, not third, not 27th, but if you put me first, here's what I'm going to do. You bring the tithe and you give it to me, and I'm going to open the windows of heaven, and I'm going to pour out a blessing on you that's going to knock your socks off. That last little part was mine, knock your socks off, but that's what he meant. Here's what I've learned in 52 years of walking with Jesus. In the areas I obey, God blesses. In the areas I disobey, God disciplines. I don't know about you, but I like the blessings better. 
Yeah. Sometimes I need the discipline, but I sure like the blessings better. So number one, he'll provide for us. Number two, he'll also protect us. Look at verse 11 of Malachi chapter 3. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. God says, I will... I will speak to the devourer and keep him from devouring you. Now, that does not mean, it's not a promise that nothing bad is ever going to happen to you because bad things happen in this world. This is a bad world we live in. But it is a promise from God. I know who my own are, and my wing of protection is going to be over you. And if you do what I tell you to do, you know what? I am going to take care of you. And you know what? Sometimes death is not a bad deal. I'm thinking of Miss Betty Oliver. Betty has suffered the last several years with agonizing pain. One thing she taught us is, you know what? You can live life in pain and not complain. Because she didn't complain one time. But She's in a much better place today. Heaven was a promotion for her. And I don't care how good your life is right now. You get to go to heaven. It's a whole lot better. A whole lot better. God's protection is over you. And then the third promise is our lives will be attractive to others. Look at verse 12 of Malachi chapter 3. And all nations will call you blessed. For you will be a delightful land. Again, says the Lord of hosts. You do what I tell you to do in this matter of giving. You bring the tithe to me. I will bless you. I will prosper you. I will protect you. And Make no mistake about it, everybody's going to notice that my shovel is bigger than your shovel. Oh, man, that's great. Guys, let me tell you, this is the only area in the Bible where God says, test me in this. He doesn't say that in any other area. He doesn't say, test me in faith, test me in prayer. He says, test me in this area. Why does he say that? Because he knows it's so difficult for us. And so he says, test me in this. Tithing is not an issue of money. Tithing is not about money. It's an issue of trust. And God knows that one of the most difficult areas in our life to completely turn over to him is our money. He knows that. And therefore he says, put me to the test. It's not me saying that. It's God saying that. You, you, you may wonder, how can you be so, so bold when you preach on this stewardship thing? It's because it ain't my stuff. This, ain't, this, this is not about me. This is God's stuff. And I'm bold when I speak for the Lord. All right? And you can get mad at me all you want to. But I'm just the mailman. God is the one who says this. And you know what? I love you guys. This is my church for life. I'm not trying to run anybody away from Kavanaugh when I preach on stewardship. Here's what I want. I want you to grow spiritually. And you're never going to grow to your spiritual potential until you trust God in this area of tithing and finances. So my challenge to you today is put God to the test. Do what he says. Test me in this. What does that look like? Well, maybe you're here today and you already tithe. 
That's fantastic. Keep, keep tithing. I'm, I'm going to give you the Don and Alice Yarbrough challenge. Go beyond the tithe. Go beyond the tithe. I believe that every authentic church needs to tithe their income. Just like every Christian tithes, I believe every church needs to tithe. It's a biblical principle. Do you know, Kavanaugh, we do that? We not only give 10% of our money to co-op, which funds our denomination, we've gone beyond that and we give 12%. You might say, well, big deal. It is a big deal. Last Wednesday night, we, we looked at our budget. Our budget this year has gone over $2 million. But out of that $2 million, almost $400,000 goes to outside causes beyond the four walls of this church. It goes to missions and ministry and Bible colleges. It, it goes to people who are hurting and who are in need. Amen. You know why? Because Kavanaugh has put God to the tests. And God has come through. Why? His shovel is bigger than our shovel. So for some of you, I'm just challenging you, if, if you're tithing, you know, go, go beyond. See what God does. See what God does. See if he doesn't throw open the windows of heaven and bless you. If you're here today and you've never tithed, man, this is, this is a scary issue and, you know, you've, you've struggled with it and you, you understand what the Bible says, but you know what? You're looking at your budget and your finances. I can't afford to tithe. Look at me. My challenge, put God to the test. You put him to the test. I've been pastoring for well over 30 years. I've been doing this for over 30 years. With every church I've pastored, I, I do it here at Kavanaugh all the time. I'm, I'm presenting to you right now the 1090 challenge. What is the 1090? You tithe 10% for 90 days and put God to the test. You give 10% of your income to God... For 90 days, three months, and let's just put him to this. See if God doesn't do what he's promised to do. Is that fair? Now, here's, here's the part of this that we're putting him to the test. And if you do that, if you tithe for, for 90 days, 10%, and at the end of the 90 days, God hasn't done what he's promised to do in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, all you have to do is come and say, Pastor, I tried it and it doesn't work. Now, again, I'll, I'll talk to you about some things, but if you say it doesn't work and I want my money back, guess what? We'll give you your money back. Because it ain't our money anyway. It's God's money. And I'm not afraid to challenge you with that great challenge because you know why? It works. I said the very same thing to the first service, and when I was leaving the building, one of the guys caught me and said, you know what, this is crazy, but, but this year I've heard, I've heard that twice. And, and he said, we went to our daughter's church, and the preacher preached on the same thing. And he said, my, my daughter had never tithed before, and she was challenged to tithe. And he said, she started tithing, and he, he started listing all the blessings that God brought into their, their life. They were able to buy a house. They got a promotion, a, 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 a they had a great blessing coming into the life. He said, he just smiled and he says, it works. Can I tell you? It works. So put God to the test. Others of you this morning need to cross that trust test line. Maybe it's an issue with your kids. And God is saying, you need to trust those kids with me. You've been hovering over them like a helicopter. And you can't control them. Why don't you trust them with me? Maybe it's an issue at work that you need to trust God with or, or a health issue.
Whatever the issue is today, take that step and come to the altar and just lay it before the Lord and say, Lord, I trust you with this. And I'm leaving this issue on the altar and I'm not going to drag it home with me. I'm giving it to you.